0: Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you love from last year and stepped it up a notch. yet yeah, we're back and better, and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, and the evening of stargazing? (laughs) I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade At Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this!
1: Hello, riders, and welcome to another edition of The Flow. Today, I would be riding Soto because Katie is in freaking Italy. Ciao, Bella, Arriba, Derti, whatever. I forgot how to speak Italian. I've been away from New York too long. (laughs) So Katie is having a good time in Italy. And you know what? I said, let me bring in a substitute teacher to come and kick it with us today. And there's a song. And I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man, Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. No, today I am bringing to you an incredible creator, photographer, podcaster, writer, dad, like all kinds of things. And it's gonna be my homie, Frederick Van Johnson. If you have been around in photography space, you know exactly who he is, because he's all over the place. But he has a fantastic podcast that I swear has been running since we used to do podcasts with pigeons. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring a seasoned podcast. and. That is a colloquialism for old, <laughs> so I thought I would bring in a seasoned podcaster to come and talk to you guys today, and I cannot wait. So without further ado, Mr. Louise, producer Supreme, can you please drop in Mr. Frederick Van jassen There we go.
2: <laughs> there you go. There's my sound effect. <laughs> and, the crowd, and the crowd goes to sleep. Yay! No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Frederick, what is up? And the crowd walks out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. This is this is gonna be a good conversation. I'm gonna re- I'm relying on you to keep it on the rails, though, because oh, you know, man, you know that's never fitting to happen. And you two just came back from vacation too, right? I did. I did. We did a company offsite up in Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at the Coeur d'Alene Resort up there, and. I never had Idaho on my list, let's say, of destinations I wanted to visit. After that, it's on my list. That place was nice.
1: Yeah, and they have some good photography anyway. There's some good things to shoot out there. Of course, all I really know about Idaho is Pocatello. (laughs) But I hear (laughs) there are cool places to shoot out there. I have Idaho on my list. And of course, I like to go back to Indiana because, you know, Notre Dame is what it is. So today... I wanted to have you on because, you know, this show is really about helping people who are diving into podcasting right now. We've been heavily focused on video podcasting because as Ecamm, of course, we make it super simple for people to generate video podcasts and you have video podcasts and you use a program called what? Uh,
2: do you really want to, it's a competitive app now? I use Ecamm. Yeah, absolutely. I've been using Ecamm since the beginning. I've been using Ecamm since it was a camera recorder or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I know? Camera, I, I, Skype car Way. Recorder. Yeah, same here. Yeah, think yeah there you go. Skype car recorder.
1: We used to do that Skype car recorder thing way back in our two all days. And then, believe it or not, Skype car recorder still kind of exists because we have some people that are in there that haven't quite moved over to the Silicon space. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny when I came back to it and... I think the other thing that cracks me up every time I think about it, Printopia. Like, man, that was life. Anybody that was in our space that needed to print stuff, especially back when, you know, color printers were not very friendly to Mac stuff. My Tektronix mm-hmm. uh, wax freaking printer, whatever the hell that thing was called. Phase, that's what it called. You're going way back. Tektronix phase something. Anyway, I had to use Printopia, which was again, Ken and Glenn. So the boys have been holding my life together for longer than I wish to think. <laughs> Most people don't even know that they're not exactly young. They look super young. It's kind of irritating. <laughs> anyway, so tell us a little bit about your podcast.
2: Uh, a little bit or a lot of it. Like you said, it's seasoned or over-seasoned. I don't know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it is This Week in Photo, thisweekinphoto.com. It's a photography podcast. It started off as sort of that roundtable format that's popular today and it is by the name, right? The description's in the name. It's about what happened this week in photography. That was the overall goal. Is just give people kind of an update uh, and some opinionated perspectives on whatever happened in the industry with no kind of filtration or anything. Just like this happened and it's great or this happened and it's BS or whatever. So that's the way it started. Uh, Like you said, about 12 years ago, the podcast began and since then, it's evolved from, quote, just an audio podcast into a video podcast, a community, a school, uh, you know, online training, essentially, and a bunch of other things. You know, I do talks around the country and it's just been going and going. And last year, actually, as we speak right now, what is today's date? Today is August 1. August 1. 365 days ago, my podcast was acquired by Smugmug. This is my one-year anniversary of being acquired by Smugmug today. So Smugmug acquired the podcast, and now we're an operating division of Smugmug alongside Flickr, Smugmug, and you know all that. So that's where we are. So happy birthday.
1: Wow, to Twip!
2: That is freaking crazy. You know,
1: I just realized, too, I believe we started the flow. It was the first week of August. It wasn't August 1st. I think it was August 6th. But I think we started the flow August 6th of last year. I have to double check with Katie because we just started. It's one of those things, you know, we always tell people, just start. Like, don't wait for anything. Just go. Companies selling a company, they tend to pick a hard date because it just works great for accounting and paperwork and all myriad things. But yeah, I I literally believe we just started like a year ago too. So both of us are celebrating birthdays, Flow Riders. (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We'll have to have a drink later.
1: Man, it's it's cool. Like the idea, you know, one of the things everyone talks about, right? Everyone always talks about like, hey, like how am I going to monetize my podcast? How am I going to not monetize my podcast? You actually took it further (laughs) and built it all the way up and then straight up sold it, which is cool. Yeah. And that had to have been hard, though. Like, how did you come to that breakpoint decision? Should I stay or should I go now? Like, do you keep it or do you let it loose? Was that tough?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really it was like a I don't know the, if you want to start from the beginning of when I first started having the inklings of having the podcast be acquired or be part of a larger company. It had to be like 18 months, two years, maybe before. You know, I signed on the dotted line with Smug Mug and the the impetus of it was uh, it was a whole group of things from COVID happening and family stuff happening. And it's just a, a bunch of things were happening. And I was like, so there's twofold on the on the creative side. It was I was already thinking it was time to control alt delete and restart the show and make it fresh, do something different, you know, change the branding, change the music you know, change the length of the episodes, all the things and just push it out like a proper Jeff Walker product launch again, you know, make it just refresh it. So that was that was goal number one. And then goal number two was in order to be sane, I need to have consistent recurring income every month in order to maintain the lifestyle to which I've been accustomed. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, I you know, and during COVID, you know, the as a solopreneur and the charter of your own destiny and journey, that income is up and down and up and uncertain. And we were freaking out here and spraying our packages and doing all the things, and then money's crazy. So I was like, all right, I need to take a step back. I need to figure out how to make this completely stable because I don't want the stress of fluctuating income. And then B, I need to figure out if, even if I want to continue doing this, that particular show, This Week in Photo, or do I want to just scrap it and do something completely different, you know, not leave podcasting, but just delete it You know, or just end it in sunset and say, hey, it's been a great run, everybody. Now I'm going to I'm starting this new thing over here. Come over here. So those were all the things that were swirling around in my head. Like, OK, how do I do it? And I've known the Smug Mug folks since, oh, man, for at least 10 years. I've known them since I was at Adobe. I met them when I was working as a product manager at Adobe. and I was having lunch with one of the the folks over there, and we're just talking about it. And fast forward, (laughs) we came to an agreement on uh, numbers and how TWIP would be positioned within the company. And I'll tell you, inside baseball, my initial thought when I first started thinking about having TWIP be part of a larger company was, you know, maybe... Yeah, you know, this obviously a photography company, right? So I was like, maybe some ph- bigger, larger photography company will acquire Twip, and they can make it another part of the organization, kind of like not a whole division of the company, but just another part of the organization. Here's Frederick doing the podcast. Here's Joe over there doing the website. I thought it would be more in that line, but as we got to speaking, as I got to speaking with Smug it became evident that hey, let's make this bigger and let's make this weekend photo be. Uh, part of the trifecta of photography brands. So Smug Mug, Flickr, and now This Week in Photo, which for me, those are million, million dollar companies, right? And then my little rowboat, <laughs> here, <laughs> like my rowboat gets to row alongside those giant cruise ships. I was like, win, you know, from however you look at it, from a branding yeah. perspective, yeah. That's, a, that's a win, right? That's, that's like, yeah, so out. that felt good. It felt good
1: you roll up at the spot and there's this dude, right? You look at him, like, say something silly while you look in the back and check to make sure you got your two linebacker friends behind you. (laughs) You know, that's sort of what it's like. Man, that's (laughs) that's an incredible ride, especially because as a creator, like one of the things that you always want to do is sort of make sure that, you know, not only do you have your ducks in a row and, you know, the financials are okay, but we put out a product that has our own taste, our own spin, our own values in it. And you don't want to see that sort of get smashed up and pushed to the side and just become part of something else's sauce. So it was cool that you structured it in a manner that allowed you to keep being you, keep doing what you do. Your people, your audience, whatever, has a certain expectations of the product that you're going to deliver and you're still able to do that. So I think that is absolutely fantastic. Eden brings up something cool in the chat. She's like, we all hit a point where we need to hit the refresh button. So she's loving the story. And it's really funny that she said that because I swear, like right before I went on vacation, I did a stream talking about that mid-year refresh. Something I like to do every year, July 2nd, is yeah. basically the halfway point of the year. I love to just, you know, back up, look yeah. at everything and be like, all right, we good? We good? If not, let's make some adjustments, like course yeah. correct. I mean, you're military, you know what it is. You got to check the map, check your coordinates. And yeah. hey, we're going to be off by like six degrees. You know, and depending on how far you're walking, that could be yeah. like 50 miles off. So you just readjust because you're navigating trees or ditches or.
2: Yeah. But in that example, Doc, though, in the military example, typically you're with other people, right? right that right. are doing other things. And, you know, you can bounce ideas off of them. Like, should we go over that hill or should we go straight or should we do this? No, we shouldn't go over there because look at, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't go over there. When you're solo, yeah. all it's eyes you. on me, right? <laughs> it's not you.
1: It's a good thing I got like seventeen personalities to help me out. Yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't have MPD, man. I had to, I had to do it solo. <laughs> not I meant in my head. I mean, completely in my head. So you know, and I, I like the fact that you're able to to basically take a product that is very valuable to the community and make sure that there's a sustainability and. I guess before we get that far into it, if you had to go back and do it all again, what steps would you take that are the same? And what steps would you take that would be different in the launching of the original? Because a lot of our people are still in that beginning phase.
2: Yeah, yeah, really good question. To be honest with you, there's not a whole lot I would change. Not to say that I don't make mistakes, make a lot of mistakes, but. My mindset around mistakes are that I learn from them and I needed to go down that path to figure out that that's not for me or that thing didn't work or all day long you can have in your brain, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set this thing up and have the camera over there. And it's not until you actually do it, do you realize, oh, this focal length does not work for this shot. I need to do this (laughs) or the lighting is bad or too much. Ambient coming in from, you know, all these things on the technical side, or even if you have the idea of, I want to be a, I want to do an interview type podcast. Great. You've seen a million of them online, but not everybody is cut out to do that. Not that the people that are cut out to do it have superpowers. It's more of not everybody just gets into having conversations in front of large groups of people, virtual or otherwise, and can do it and feel comfortable doing it, which means, you have to try it first, right? Correct. So you have to try it and see how it fits and like, oh yeah, I kind of like this. This is cool. Let me do more of this. In part of my mindset when I do shows, even this show, you know, I'm a guest here and I'm taking notes on how you guys are doing this. And I'm like, oh yeah. This remote production thing is interesting. Let me see if I can implement that in the stuff that I do. So I'm always sort of thinking of different ways. Guy, his his name is Luis. You might might have met him.
1: (laughs) Very (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, yeah, I want a man in the bubble. (laughs) I'm going to pop this in the chat real quick because you know there was a famous quote by a world renowned poet, very eloquent with her words. But one of her famous quotes is "Ain't nothing to it but to do it," and I understand why we're friends now. Cause I'm the same as you. I think the mistakes are hyper important and I want to make sure that all the Mm -hmm. flow riders listen to that and write it down, put it on their freaking foreheads because I have people in my crew who I love to death, but I want to shake them (laughs) because they're still stuck on perfection and I'm trying to tell them you can't do that as a Virgo, as an ex-military person, just as me being me, like I'm a hyper-perfectionist, but it is not helpful to your journey in any way, shape, or form. You have to- Progress. Progress, not perfection. I use the Air Force as a perspective, right? When, When we get ready to fly and we're about to leave somewhere and we know that we don't have the fuel that's required, we have to lose some weight. And we don't mean like, hey, go to the gym, you fat butt, like me. We mean- We have to take out any unnecessary equipment that is not going to serve the mission and we just leave it on the ground. It's called a hasty displacement. And the army, when we're on the ground with no flying, we need to move quickly and heavy stuff is going to slow us down. So we'll leave entire tents, we'll leave extra parts, like all myriad things that will be too heavy for the troop movement at that time. So when you guys are carrying around this perfection baggage, Think of it like that. Yo, we're an airplane that's low on fuel. We need to cut some weight and just let that baggage go, Elsa. Let it go. And just, you know, boom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. You know, the, the other side of it is also fear. So it's easy to say, yeah, we get we need to do this hasty displacement and get rid of, you know, throw these sandbags over so the hot air balloon can keep going. But what if you are attached to those hot air balloons, oh, you know, for some reason? And you're like, I this one can't go because I love this, yeah, but it really should. So, as a solopreneur, a person doing this alone, you have to be able to make those decisions. And one of the ways that I'm able to make those decisions is I believe nothing is permanent, right? Everything is temporary. Everything's a trial, so you can always roll back and do something else. And that word fear, I think paralyzes people. Fear of the unknown. Like What what, are they, what was the quote from Dune, the old Dune? Fear is the mind killer, yeah. right? Yeah. So fear, fear is the mind killer. And not to say that you can conquer fear, but once you recognize that the world is not going to end if I do A, B, and C. So let me try to do A, B, and C. And rolling back to what we talked about before, once I've tried it, now I have that experience in my belt, whether I succeeded or failed. And I can make decisions based on that. If you've never tried that thing, i.e. podcasting or doing interviews or just solo live streams, long form monologues, if you never tried it, then you don't know if you like it or if you can do it, if you can't do it. And you don't know all the little tangents that go into doing it. Right. So you got to walk down that path with your flashlight in order to see where all the potholes and all poison ivy are before you can make the decision on if you want to keep walking that direction. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting.
1: And I never thought about this, but I tend to use fear as, it's almost like a litmus test, but after the fact. So mm-hmm. what I do is I align my fear with, after what happened, I do an after action report. Oh God, we're going way military today. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I'm terrified of something, I do it, but I have full account of my fear in my head. And at the end, I compare my fear notes to what really happened. And it's a reminder to me the next time, that, yeah, you don't have to be feared. I mean, like, for the most part, your body will protect yeah. your body. And for the most part, your brain yeah. won't let you do something super catastrophic. The people that right. have that, unfortunately, they ha- there's something wrong with them. They're a different boat. But if you are of sound mind and body, that's most of us except Eden. You just, just do it anyway and then compare notes after. Yeah. you know. And then after you compare the notes, yeah. 9 times out of 10, you will realize that your fears were somewhat unfound. And then so once you get used to that action, whenever you complete a task, this is super important, people, whenever you complete a task that you were terrified of doing, make sure you celebrate the fact that you did it anyway. Make sure you celebrate the fact that you pushed through it and remember that. Remember that feeling. And those feelings for me are stronger than my feelings of fear. So the first time I rolled up to the door on the C-130 and I looked down, I was like, what the, you idiot, what the hell are you doing here? And I jumped anyway. Mm-hmm. And then after yeah. you hit yeah. the ground, I was like, ha ha, can we do it again, boss? Can we do it again? You know? I <laughs> <laughs> was exactly the same way. But it's super funny because you say that when you're on the ground, but every time you hit the door, you ask yourself, why am I doing it again? Because it's like rolling craps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of these days you're going to miss. Yeah. So it's funny because I had the experience and I've already gone through it. But every time I would hit that door and I was halo. So somewhere between 18 and 20,000 feet, I would hit that door and be like, you dummy, you doing this again? And if, yeah. yeah,
2: And it's that resistance point. That resistance point you're talking about, that is the barrier that separates the people that are more likely to succeed from people that aren't, right? Because it's that thick barrier. Like when you're jumping out of a plane, right? Your every fiber in your being is like, don't do this. <laughs> you know, I want to live. There is a chance that we won't. If this is an unnecessary risk for you, I'm not going to let you do it. That's what was going through my head when I first jumped, right? It's like my body was literally involuntarily holding the door <laughs> like, and my tandem partner had to literally push me out. And once you're out, though, once I was out of that plane and free falling, it was great because your brain then switches to, well, can't do anything about it anyway, might as well enjoy it, <laughs> Yeah, so, man, so I, I the
1: song came yeah. out when I first jumped. The song came out later, but I would have been like, but I'm free, I'm free, darling. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's a- uh, Pull the cord, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah. And, and again, I highly suggest everyone do it, especially those of you Freddy cats out there. Doing that alone will make you no longer afraid of anything else. They used to tell us in basic, two things fall out of the sky, BS and fools. Uh, bird actually not bull (laughs) Um, but uh, and I'm like well I guess I'll be foolish and you know the first day you go to camp I had this really really short instructor right I think he was like 5'8 he goes when I started this I was 6'1 and we all like we're kids right we look at him like wait really is that possible (laughs) But Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. okay so (laughs) diving in a little deeper when you are setting yourself up for your show what would you say are the three things that are like hyper important to you when it comes to producing your show? Now I've been to guest on your show twice. So I think I kind of understand what they are, but I want to hear your side of it.
2: Uh, it, it. Only three. It's a chain I mean, of things that need to be dialed in. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to disobey about. the teacher and tell you <laughs> about as many as you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and these are, these are things that I've learned over the years. So, um, if you're planning on doing a podcast, take notes, right? So first thing that hit me that I didn't expect when I first started interviewing photographers around the world was I discounted the importance or the the inconvenience, let's say, of time zones <laughs> and scheduling. You know, it seems simple, but just saying, hey, John Doe, you're going to be on my show? You know, back in the day, I'd say, yeah, you want to come on at noon on Thursday? Sure. John Doe's in Australia. His noon on Thursday is different than my noon on Thursday. So we'd miss and then have to do 30 emails to re-coordinate. So long story short, I solve that by using uh, a software as a service called Calendly. There are many others. It's just the one I use right now. Me too. And it handles that. Now I just send them a link and it's plugged into my Google Calendar. I've already specified my availability for interviews and it looks at their calendar, looks at my calendar, picks a time that's convenient for both of us puts it on our calendars with all the notes that they've input into Calendly along with the link to join my Ecamm and boom, everybody's happy. So that's the first thing. That was a big nugget to solve is to get that level of automation in place. So if I'm at a trade show and I meet some CEO or something, like, hey, you want to come on podcast? Sure. I could just give him my shortened URL, which I have, right? And which takes him to my Calendly. Easy to remember. Just go here and book yourself, find a convenient time. And that's it from that point forward, it's all automated. They get reminder emails, they get all the things. So it went from being a hassle scheduling everything to just butter. So I would highly recommend doing that. That's one. The second thing is once you've scheduled everything, you know we could we could talk for days about setups and and just sort of post-production and all that. But my flow, as you and I've talked about before, Doc, back in the day, I literally had multiple computers in order to bring in guests. And this came from Leo Laporte up at Twit, this is technology. I don't know if he still does it now, but he had a Skype machine that he would bring people into and then NDI those people over to another machine and set that And I was replicating that in my little home office with my little Mac minis and doing all that. And it worked sometimes, but (laughs) somehow it had some sort of magic in it that it would fail when I had it a really high-level, important guest. <laughs> just every single time, it would fail. It was just complexity. I, had, I literally had to be in my office an hour before I was going to do an interview in order to get everything working. It's like a Rube Goldberg mechanism in there, <laughs> trying to get it all dialed in and working, like, okay, we're ready. And then they dial in through Skype, and everybody knows Skype, at least back in the day, was not the most stable app in the world. They'd come in and their audio wouldn't be right or whatever. So it was just a comedy of complexity, trying to get just one interview done. Went through a lot of trials and tribulations and then, you know, play the angel singing music. Ecamm was the savior of that, like literally. And I was saying this before I met you, Doc. Ecamm was the app that I was able to literally get rid of all that complexity and run this one app on my machine. And... Do most of everything I needed to do, yep. and in the beginning, eCam when I first started it didn't have the the guest dial in feature, so I still had to do some jumping around to get that done. But when that dial up feature, the guest feature came in, that was it. you know, I was done. Pretty much, I had a studio in a box. eCam made all of that stuff less complex, so now I could bring in guests. They're scheduled. They click this link. They're in my eCam, and I can do the interviews. So those two things. And then the third thing on that is in the post-production side of it. And I'm jumping over hardware and lighting and all that stuff. But on the on the post-production side of it, when I first started doing the podcast or doing it through video, I was recording each track separately and doing a sort of a multi-cam edit of everything, bringing all the, all the individual ISOs into Final Cut and spending time, you know, jumping between shots and doing my two shot and doing all that stuff literally for an hour long interview would take me, I don't know, maybe three hours plus of time to get it edited down to where I wanted it. So at one point I had this mindset shift of, what if we did it live to tape? I mastered the skill of being able to switch my cameras and do all the stuff that I'd be doing in editing, but do it live. So then I end up with a MP4 file or MOV file that's pretty much ready to go, needing very little editing, maybe some compression on the audio, or, or limiting or whatever, and trimming on the ends. But if my idea was, if I could just build a template in Final Cut, drop in the interview into it, make some changes, throw a lower third up there, export it out as video and audio, I could shave hours off of my time, which is what I did. So with those three things, the scheduling, eCam, and then templatizing in Final Cut from the live to tape edit that I do of the interviews, it literally made it so that I could continue the show. I think Twip probably would have concluded maybe three or four years ago had it not been for that constellation, that tripod of things that I was able to put in place. So if you're going to do this, I would suggest doing that.
1: <laughs> you're such a photographer that tripod of things. <laughs> that you got it, though. You got the visual. 100%, bro. This is my exposure triangle of podcasting things. <laughs> when one moves, they all, my Reggie right. Biv. You know? Man, that's <laughs> yeah. that really good. And it's funny because it seems oversimplistic, especially, you know, we're talking to the ecam crew, but somebody's going to see this that's not yeah. one of us. And they'll be like, okay, I get it now. But one of the things that Katie yeah. and I have been pushing so hard lately is, have your Ecamm set up and ready to go at all times. We have a mentality of ABR, which is always be recording. The reason for that is now, and this actually touches into a little bit of the AI thing, I sent you a text the other day talking about Audio Pen and I just did a a whole video for my members, but this is an application that allows you to just speak the way we're talking right now and it will turn it into a readable post. So where this comes in handy is I have so much crap in my head and I got to get it out because I need space for the new stuff. And so what happens is I can just pop open my phone or my voice recorder or whatever and just, you know, wax to it for a little bit and then stop and then send that to AudioPen. AudioPen will write it in a manner that's cohesive for muggles to absorb, not me. Take out all of the fluff and BS and... (laughs) I don't have to edit it the way I would when I go into script. I still got to edit, right? It it actually kind of does a fantastic job of getting to the crux of it. And I don't even bother cleaning it. I'm like, I'm gonna leave this alone. I just send it out via ConvertKit to the audience and just call it a day. And what that does is that frees up that that thing. When you're feeling, let's see, creatively constipated, it's because you need to let something out. And what normally people do is when they feel creatively constipated, they stop creating. So that whole mentality yeah. of a writer's block is like, oh, I can't write. Why? Because I'm stuck. It uh, turns out when you're constipated, you need to drop a deuce. So if you're quote unquote creative block or writer's block, create something more. It could be create something different. Yeah. Like pick up a hammer and a nail and start whacking some crap and it'll come out. Like it will let's come out. like your your creative outlet might not be the one you're akin to. You know, it might not be shooting a video. It might not be taking a picture. And this is why I did something really simplistic, like going out and buying that Rico, is because it's such a simple camera that when I'm feeling creatively constipated, I just go out and just take random shots with a point-and-shoot camera that does not allow my tweaker brain to tweak. <laughs> it just, I just got to take them. Yeah. And you got to buy a camera, people. You got an iPhone. <laughs> go outside. Follow my boy yeah. Rico laxative. Yeah, it's a Rico laxative, <laughs> right? Follow my boy Jeff Graham and grab your iPhone and go out there and try to do something with your iPhone that you wouldn't normally do. Take photos that you wouldn't normally take. Take some macro photos with your iPhone in your neighborhood or you know in yeah. your neighborhood, whatever. Just get out there, take some photos and then come back and, and look at them and you know think of something. I don't know just you, got, you can't hold it in fam. like it will really mess up your whole entire brain. So you, I like what you said. I like the whole concept of making it simple. Because that is the key to consistency, is make it repeatable. it. Is. 100.
2: Yeah, if you set up a landmine field for you to walk through every time you want to produce content, and occasionally you get blown up, you're not going to want to walk through that field anymore, <laughs> you right? Never you got to make it as streamlined and as lubricated as possible. Like in my studio here in the home office, right? It's set up so I could just turn the lights on, turn the camera on. And I'm ready to go, you know, run Ecamm, and I am literally ready to go. And it works every time. My idea when I get everything, when everything's set up in here, the idea was to make it as bulletproof as the electricity in the house. Well, I'm in California, so that (laughs) may not be a good analogy. But but I wanted it to be as bulletproof as a utility, right? You know, when you turn the faucet, water is going to come out. You know, when you plug something in, you're going to get some juice. I wanted it to be like that versus I mean what if what if every time you plug something in you had to like oh crap I need to reboot the outlet. I'm not getting power out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it needs yeah. it needed to be our
1: bulletproof in order for me to get done. The way that people buy a one RS or whatever, sorry, that's an Insta360. Uh, to buy a canon, sorry, EOSR and then just leave it in auto. That's the way our setups are. It's even yes, it's fully capable. They can do all kinds of crazy stuff, but you know what? It's set up in auto. I come in, I sit down. I just record. And I think the important thing also for those people who are getting used to, like you and I, we can just talk like this all day. Like it's not a thing. We don't freak out. Yeah. There's no padding zone or whatever. All those mistakes have already been made, mm-hmm. right? I just want people to, yeah. to realize that this is not a skill that you can buy. This is not a skill you're born with. This is not a skill that's available at the Piggly Wiggly, the Walmart, or Amazon, or worse yet, Shein. Yeah. The only way to be able to do what we're doing right now is to have thousands of hours on the mic. And that right. requires you That's to right. stop being scared and just start. So even if you, uh, um, oh, oh man, what was I going to say? Even if you do that, start there because you will, you will never get to yeah. this. You can't just go outside and run a marathon. I am sorry. Nobody can hit 26 miles on day one. It's impossible.
2: Yes. The road to success begins with a single step. Right, <laughs> yeah. You gotta have your 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 long white beard when you say that. It's and it's true. I remember when I was going through photography training in the Air Force. One of the instructors I remember told me he used the analogy of it's like wait. He's like, "What finger do you use to press the shutter button?" I was like, "This one." He goes, "There's probably about ten thousand bad shots in there that are blocking the good shots that are waiting to get out of your finger, and the only way to get them out is to press that button."
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> You got to key Ooh. press. That is so <laughs> good. You remember freaking Pez before they started with the all flavors? In the beginning, it wasn't all one flavor. Before, it used to be like an assortment. And so you had to constantly yeah. be opening the Batman to get to the one kind of yeah. like orange. <laughs> I like the orange flavor one. Yeah. So you just like, yeah. when one of those yellow joints would come out, I would give it to my sister. Here, eat this. <laughs> She's like, I don't want one. I'm like, well, don't waste yeah. it, you know? And she taught me, oh, look, you can open it and put it at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hacking hacking the Pez. Hacking the Pez. I can't believe we just brought up Pez. We old. (laughs) You're old. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what this Pez stuff is
1: you're talking (laughs) about. Oh, my God. Red Pez was the best. and Snoopy was my favorite. That's what Eden said. Oh, my God. Yeah, But it's funny, Ray. I I love that analogy that you're blocking the good shots with the bad shots. So you got to get the bad shots out. So you might as well just let them out. That is very, very yep. fantastic. Yep. All right, so what's in the future for your, your podcast? Like, where do you see your podcast going? And I guess add a little bit about the video podcasting, like how that's changed the landscape? Like, I think weird because you and I, and people don't do what I just did. Listen closely. Don't like ask a question and then add some extra stuff. But I have to in this case, because otherwise I forget. We have both been video podcasting before everyone was like, video podcasting too much work. So it's different for us because I video podcast since like the second week of podcasting. As soon as Apple made it available back in two thousand nine, I was making video podcasts. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So yeah, the the road to doing video podcasts was interesting for for this week in photo. We were, the the podcast was an audio podcast up until around the era of Google Hangouts. Remember that? Yeah, So when Google Hangouts showed up and Google was doubling down on Google Photos and all that, I'm like, okay, this thing's going to be around forever. Why don't we just use that as our infrastructure for the podcast? Instead of doing through Skype or whatever, we'll just all meet in a Hangout and and record that and that becomes the show. You know, we may have to do some tweaking to the audio, but that we can get over that. So that's where we started. And then, of course, Google pulled the plug on Hangouts and it became less popular and there were other issues involved with that. But I had already started publishing video on the YouTube channel, on the Twip YouTube channel. So like, okay, let's just what else can we do? So that was the impetus of moving into the into the video side of the house. For me, back then, like I said, that whole Rube Goldberg setup for video, that was the hot coals. That was the landmine. But that Landmine has already been demined, you know, to continue (laughs) the analogy. And people that want to start now don't have to worry about that. There are these amazing tools out there that let you do the stuff. Not only tools, but even places where you can distribute your video, whether it be YouTube, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, you know, all these different places that are popping up where you can put the video or syndicate or distribute your video. And so it, I don't remember where the point of inflection was, but. The audio side of This weekend Photo was still the most popular and most downloaded, listened to of all the things we do. The video side of it was a rounding error to begin with. It was more of like, you know what, let's do this audio podcast and we'll throw the video up for people that feel like they want to see. Right. It was secondary. Even till today, it's kind of still that way a little bit. Us too. Um, so it was it was secondary. But now, you know, as video is starting to take the forefront in a lot of ways for the kind of content I produce, it's making more sense to lean into the video side much more heavily. So then how do you do that? So back to what I was saying about the the introduction or the launch of Twip, you know, or the relaunch or the should I kill it? Should I stay or should I go now moment of this week in photo? Part of that mindset was that reset and redoing TWIP. And what will likely happen over the coming weeks, months will be you'll see TWIP shift from the one-on-one interview format primarily back into the roundtable discussion format. But now we can do it much easier using the tools that are available today, right? So now I can build the whole program in Ecamm and bring all the guests in and. Maybe even go as far as having a remote producer, the man in the bubble, you know, that handles everything behind the scenes. So, you know, all that. So leaning into that, I've been studying really hard to understand how This weekend Photo and my demographic market might benefit from TikTok. And if we start publishing and syndicating shorts on TikTok and that sort of thing. So, you know, the people in my audience, when I bring that up to them, they're all like, oh you know, in the community, ah, oh, TikTok, I am not, I am not going to have anything to do with TikTok. And I'm like, okay, you know, that that's fine. But it's just because you said that it's not going away, right? Yeah, 100%. So you know, regardless of how I feel about it, or if I agree with the content out there, or the politics behind it being a Chinese company, whatever, it is a, a force in the market that cannot be ignored. And right. as a military guy, I am not going to ignore it, right? Exactly. So I'm going to learn it, and see if it makes sense for me for us to engage there
1: well see here's here's where it all gets it's kind it gets kind of funny for, so for me like i'm a youtube youtube first and foremost always going to be i started doing a lot of stuff to ig because like, like eden just said tiktok is a funnel IG is i call them discovery channels your tiktok your ig your linkedin all the above those are the discovery channels that's where people discover you and then they go and hunt for your real deal holy field i yes. found cardi b as a feature on another track. And then she featured on another, another track. And then I was like, wait a minute, does she got an album out? And then you go look and no, she don't. And then like three weeks later, boom, Cardi B, okay. Then the album comes out and then now (laughs) you're like, man, this is dope, right? This is dope. I've been making money moves now, right? So every artist starts out with a discovery feature, right? And some people, if you remember that irritating little crap, Ja Rule, like he featured on everything. He was on like 50 features before yeah. he ever put a song out. So that's the same thing. Yeah. The idea of like TikTok or Instagram or whatever, it's like doing features on somebody else's thing. You pop up, DJ Clue, new stuff, you know, and then God, I wouldn't punch him in the face so bad because <laughs> he used to ruin all the good songs with that. <laughs> now it's Luis's lookalike, DJ Khaled. Another
0: one, Major Kimmer, <laughs> <laughs> DJ you Khaled. Know,
1: Don't Luis look like Luis. DJ
2: Khaled? <laughs> and he, he did a little bit. Look, yeah, he got their product. He's got their product in his beard. You oh my that? god! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> in a
1: way, yes, it's very important that you do these things and you sort of figure out how they fit for you. And I, I'm agree. Right. I have always kind of kicked TikTok to the curb a little bit. Because I just didn't think that I would find any of my audience over there. Turns out demographically, people in our age bracket are massive on TikTok. And I agree with you. Yeah, that's what I learned. You can't ignore it, right? And you can't get hyper twisted up in the politics because every application has somebody peed off about something, right? So right now, if we were going to let it get political, there's people that mad at YouTube because YouTube is being a little bit more strict about letting people just say, hey, things, and they're calling it lack of free speech. And it's like, you know you ain't supposed to say that right. out loud. You know you're supposed to hide in a right. little room and you know get your little people together and talk about how cool Nikons right. are by yourself, because in this world, you're about to get hurt by the Sony folk. You know I wasn't going to let a whole show slide. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's not going to let a whole show slide
2: <laughs> without coming it's like Oh, I got to get that in there. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that that's why, again, that's probably why we're friends. We, we share a similar mindset with that because it's, you know, if you look at all, if you boycott all of the products that are out there that are either produced or have someone behind them that espouses something that you disagree with, you're not getting anywhere, to be honest with you. I mean, the like everything for the most part, you're not buying a Tesla. You are you're not looking through a telescope because, what's his name, um, Hubble, you right. know, Sir Edwin Hubble or whatever, who discovered the Hubble constant about the universe, apparently was a raging racist and homophobic guy, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, But he discovered this thing, right? So are you going to say, well, you know what, all of astrophysics is great, except all of this expansion of the universe stuff, because that guy, I don't agree with his ideology. You got to, at some point, you have to shift gears and be like, okay, I'm about growth for me and mine, and how can I use the tools that are available to me at this point in time with blinders on to get that thing done, whether it be, you know, I have a goal to make, you know, $50,000 a month. That's my goal. You know, if I can get there, I'll feel successful, or even $5,000 a month. You know, if I can get there, I will feel successful by any means necessary, right? So, I think that's the the formula or the the flawed formula of being able to be aware of what's going on around you and a little bit of the history of the tools that you need to use and making a smart, less emotional decision about what you employ to get to your ultimate goal because you're not gonna you're not gonna get to that goal without rubbing shoulders with people that have ideas that you don't agree with you need to just sort of press forward and get your stuff done. There's discoveries there that you don't even know yeah. about. And you know, you just made me think of something. Yeah. This is super crazy.
1: I wonder how many people listening to this right now remember what a Hydrox is. My mom was a beautiful lady, really sweet, super smart, absolute cheap ass. OK, mom, I want some Oreo cookies. OK, go to the store and she come back with a big, gigantic four rows of Hydrox. Mama, what? this ain't oreos yeah it is it's the same thing no mama oreos say o-r-e-o this is h-y hyphen d-r-o-x this is not oreos she's like boy until you start <laughs> buying oreos then you eat these okay so yeah. first bite i'm like I'm working george is high george is saying hydrox is better than oreo thought me and george's friends I am deleting George from my phone book right now. so what I (laughs) discovered was, this is so crazy. How you make the Hydrox work though, is you just take out your little butter knife or the other half, because their stuff didn't stick like Oreo. So you can just peel it off and throw it. It was kind of like one piece of the cream part in the middle. And so you should just throw it out and I would just eat the outside. And then I was like, hold up, this is actually pretty good. So then when I could finally get to my dad's house be like, mom bought me Hydrox and my dad would be like, I ain't letting you go out like that. So my dad always tried to one up mom. So he would get the Oreos. He would give me two packs, including the light skin Oreos, the, the white, <laughs> the yellow one. <laughs> so then I figured out that. You like, had the bone Oreos. <laughs> yeah, right. I figured out that you, let me try to scrape the inside out of this and taste it. And what I discovered is I love outside onlys. I am the O's guy. You can take the re and just throw them out. And so to this day, now you can actually buy a box of just the O's. You can skip the re. You can go on Amazon right now, you can buy an entire box of just the outside. And to this day, like I pretty much eat my Oreos with nothing in there. I, I would tell you a secret doc, well, what? those are called cookies. Just, yeah, just say. I know, <laughs> true, true facts. Right? And, oh, God. And <laughs> God forbid, when they came out with half-breed Oreos, <laughs> with the yellow on one side, and then the brown one on the other, like, look, racially equality Oreos, y'all need to stop. Them choice wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good either. Uh, I, I'm down for racially equality but not in my Oreos. Right, I'm just saying,
2: keep it out of my Oreos. <laughs> yeah, keep it out of my Oreos.
1: I don't eat Oreos at all anymore, because, yeah. Um, yeah, now I know what that white stuff is. It's basically death. yeah <laughs> But, You would be surprised what you find out when you dig deeper or you try something and you might just get the one part you need. You didn't need the whole Oreo. You just needed the O's. The rest of it could go to hell, right? And that's what happens with TikTok. You might find, you don't need any political crap or any of the craziness or the dances or none of that. You might find gold dropping Twipple. That was my weird story, sorry.
2: (laughs) No, no, that makes sense. And that dovetails into what I was going to say. When I first started looking at TikTok, I was like, ugh really uh first of all i ain't getting up there doing the dancing and doing all that stuff that that is not going to happen so and then you know looking at the demographic in my head and maybe i was you know i had a flawed data source but i was like this is not for people in my age range i'll be turning in november i'll be turning 56 right so i was like do i really want to be the old man in the club sitting in the, co- <laughs> in the corner <laughs> was like no i don't want that look so maybe that's not a place for twip As I dove deeper and started understanding the platform more, like you said, the demographic is wide on there. And I was looking at one little tiny core sample that it presented to me, and then I dismissed it based on that. When I went back, I've consumed audiobooks on TikTok, seminars and all the things just to kind of get my brain around it because I'm a nerd like that. And I learned that the platform itself is very smart. It's very smart what it's doing. just from a from a technical standpoint, and a, a content distribution standpoint is different from the other social networks. So I was intrigued and I got deeper and deeper. Where I am right now on that TikTok journey. Is it still on my list? still in Asana, but I am looking at it from a what kind of content do I put there? Is it just a short from an interview that I stick up there? Do we produce original content for it? And this is going back to what we talked about, that whole fear thing, right? Fear of the unknown and having to walk the walk before you can understand that path. So in order for me to understand TikTok, like it or not, I'm going to have to start posting on TikTok and maybe fail in the beginning and then get my sea legs and then start producing content appropriate for the platform. So, you know, that, and that's how it goes, you know. Look
1: on my channel and you'll see an interview I did with Rebecca on Opus Clips. And then on the Ecamm channel, there's an interview I did like three weeks ago with David Saliba from Memento, both of those tools will make your job easy. You just give it the YouTube file and it will generate the shorts for you. And now they yeah. both even getting better at taking a shot like this and making it like that. Like it knows what to do. Oh, and wow! Yeah, just, just wow. throw it up there. And you know, you and I are AI people, man. Let the AI do the thing. Uh-huh. Tell Iverson, hey, cut this, yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> You'll be good to go. And just start there. <laughs> and so that's the way you can experiment without putting a lot of time into it. Because contrary to what all the D-bags would tell you on YouTube, sometimes program mode is your friend. You know what I'm saying? When I'm fast-paced and I got to get joint done, I trust my body is dope because it's not yellow and black. I trust that my lens is dope. So I can just put it in P-mode and go. And all of the guys on YouTube is like, a real photographer doesn't use P-mode. That's like saying a real sniper doesn't use a scope. That's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way to... Real drivers don't use automatic, right? Right. (laughs) That's a good way to not go home to your mama, right? I'm going to use whatever tool that's available to me. And when I'm in a hurry or, you know, this is a type of environment where I'm just going to be shoot, shoot, shoot. And I want to pay attention to the people and not to my dials like I run a Fuji. Look, man, I don't
2: want to pitch oh, watches. I want to you know pitchforks are coming out for you. Yeah, no. uh, the Fuji hey,
1: people don't. Fuji, 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 Fuji people don't like to be misled. They're they outside for my door right now. And they got the little joint in the stick.
2: Stop <laughs> picking on Fuji. We're real, real photographers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, and for the audience, uh, if you guys caught that, Doc has been shooting these subtle, <laughs> these subtle, passive aggressive zings at nikon because he knows i shoot nikon and it's a superior camera system so he feels he feels I don't know inferior when when <laughs> camera body you know and manufacturers come up so you know Doc maybe I'll send you a Nikon I need to send you a Nikon so that you can come to come over to the the oh, black goodness. and yellow side at the end of the day
1: <laughs> all of the all of the they're just Sony's with a different outfit on because we make the sense they are they so, are so, nah, just
2: be- yeah and, and that kind of rivalry doesn't that rivalry between brands remind you of like. Air Force versus Navy versus Army wow. and all that. Oh, At the end of the day, our missions are still the same. Hundred percent. Paula and
1: Louise yeah. press the red button. <laughs> Yo, so <laughs> I can just say, guys, before we dig out, I just wanted to remind everyone: people, make sure you go and follow Frederick if you want a good jumping off point. Just watch my two interviews. I'm joking. <laughs> this what he has fantastic. Yeah, for stuff sure on there my people the people who are here from my side of the thing on my channel like you know you've already been on my show a couple of times my favorite thing and this is what i love about being a creator because you never just know in your process of being a creator you will meet people that you're like how in the hell did we not meet before how do we not know each other before or whatever because that was my relationship with frederick we met at a final cut pro summit and then it's like we've been in the same circles for so long, just like passing ships in the night <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And then yeah. it turns out like we're basically the same cat in two different bodies, so many crossover paths or whatever, but you end up finding you have yeah. deep connections with people that you run into in your journey. And you know, I had a similar situation. Like I, I met Eden at social media marketing world and we have been Doing collaborative stuff together with Ecamm and Camo. She works for Camo, you know, the app that runs your phone as a camera. And then I'm like, yep. she's like one of my best friends. Like, Eden is another me, just in a girl format, much better looking and flexible. <laughs> like I, I, if I try to do that yoga <laughs> stuff, she does, I'll break something. But like, she is my homie. Like, to the end of the day, like, we can finish each other's sentences because it's just freaking hilarious like that. That's the favorite part about being a creator. And this is why people I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear what you got to say. And you have no idea once you open that floodgate, who you're going to bump into, that's going to be your ride or die, and you're like in there. So please, going back to where Frederick said at the beginning, you got to shake the fear. Like it's not serving you. It doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form in this particular case. In in the Army, I would say a little bit of fear kept you alive. But in podcasting or yeah. be a content creator, just let it
2: out. Yeah, because you go look go look at look back at the early This Weekend photo episodes and you'll see a progression, <laughs> a progression <laughs> of me being comfortable behind the mic. Currently, you're relatively comfortable to back then, literally sweating whenever I had to do anything behind the mic. Like I had have to change my shirt after everything I did because it was just this nervousness that came up. Not let alone public speaking. Like put me on a stage, and I was I was a wreck. Up and it's kind of like jumping out of a plane because I was a wreck right up until I had to say the first word, all the way up You're to so the podium, the microphone. Oh, there's a wreck. And then when you say, "Hi, everybody, I'm Frederick Van Johnson," then it just kind of it dissipates for the most part because there's no going back at that point. <laughs> right? So it's very similar, very similar feelings.
1: You're really, really yeah, good yeah, at it's it. Fun. Okay, I got two. Final questions. One is is absolute joke. You know when you said you weren't going to dance on TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, but wait a minute, you got Chicago yeah. two step in you. You should bring that back. That used to be uh, the I smooth should. at the I end should. of the night. We I said, Ooh, should. Ooh. He did a little smooth dance. Anyway, no. This uh-uh. this one no. is 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 probably <laughs> helpful to somebody because it's something that I even had to mess with a little bit. Although I picked my pen name, most people don't know what that is. How was it for you to set yourself up to actually brand the FVJ versus using, you know, like nobody in here, none of my brand named people are in here right now, normally they're in here, but, uh, uh, yeah, everybody in here is using real name game. Uh, but you know, like some people, Mm -hmm. they just put their brand name in the front and then eventually Mm -hmm. something happens, right? Do you think you did the right thing or like, what was it like for you to just pick your name? As the brand, as opposed to something weird. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mr. Camera Junkie. Great question. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> like I couldn't find uh, nobody, and the freaking producer
2: is Mr. Camera Junkie. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question, by the way, because it's is it I think it's a really important question. A lot of people kind of overlook. With, yeah. And yeah, my time when I was at Apple, I was on the Lightroom Aperture team. Remember Aperture? Uh, so I was on that on the marketing team for Apple Photos and Aperture back in the day, and I remember distinctly going to different events and whatever. And I was always known as the Apple guy, you know. Is Frederick the Apple guy? You know, let me try to get some free gear out of him or get some insight on what's coming next or whatever. You know? But my personal being was tied to this corporation, which is a great corporation. But I was tied to it. When it came time, I when I left Apple. I left Apple to go be a VP of marketing at a startup down in Santa Monica. So I left them. And I remember having conversations with some noteworthy people in the industry. I was like, yeah, I'm leaving Apple. I'm going to go do this thing over here. It's a play, you know, it's a startup, whatever. The the look in their eyes was like, okay, is no longer defined by Apple. Therefore, he doesn't have any value, right? I could, that was the, that was the t- the kind of tone of the conversation was like, oh, you're not Apple anymore. Oh, Oh, well, okay. Well, you know. What are you gonna do now? You know? So it was kind of like that. And I didn't like that feeling at all. And in my head, I think at that point, I was like, okay, my personal brand needs to be not the forefront in front of you know other brands that I'm involved with, but it needs to have its own gravity and its own weight. Because if it doesn't, then I'm just an asteroid flying around. I need to, I need to have my own gravity so that I can. I can influence objects around me versus being influenced by objects around me. And the more gravity I have, the more things that I can influence, right? So that's where I started that mindset shift of, okay, the Frederick Van brand, I want to start leaning into that more, not to the detriment of other brands, but I need to lean into my own. And part of that mindset shift was thinking of, back then at least, thinking of the companies that I'm working with and for, like in in that case, Apple, as instead of at, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to get a golden watch and a pension and all this stuff. I started thinking of it as they are a revenue stream, even though it's a nine to five, and I got benefits and all these other cool things. That is a revenue stream in the overall Frederick Van solar system, as it were. And I have other planets around me. That was just one of the planets in my head. That was that was the shift I needed to make. And building my own brand alongside Twip was a, a very conscious decision. Not that I foresaw that I'd be selling the business in 2022, but more from the standpoint of if something happens, like at Adobe. When I was at Adobe, I got laid off, right? 80, was it was 800 people in one day got laid off. Remember that that yeah. bloodbath? I got caught up in that. And I remember after that, I was like, I I literally got on Google Docs and I built a project called Operation Fireproof because I was like, this crap ain't happening to me again. I am not being caught with my pants down with all of my all of my marbles in this one bucket that somebody can just make a decision and screw up my ability to keep my family happy and paid and fed and all that. I was like, okay, that can't happen. So I called it Operation Fireproof, where it basically was it was defining multiple revenue streams so that if one went dark, the other ones could keep you going, right? Which which seems fundamental at this point. But I I use the analogy of a submarine, right? So if you got the submarine, submarine gets hit, it's compartmentalized, so one chamber can flood and the thing can still float. Yeah. So I was I actually had a picture of that. You know, it's like this is a submarine. And these are my different chambers, right? One is corporate job, one is this, one is that, you know, boom, boom, boom. What are the things, what are the chambers that I can build with my brand that allow me to keep afloat if something catastrophic happens? And I would recommend everyone at least think a little bit in that direction because not to say, you know, some people will be in corporations forever. If you're an employee and you, you know, you show up nine to five, whether in person or virtually or whatever, that's great, but at some point, for me, I did not want to be in that that shaky position of, man, if that person, for whatever reason, doesn't think that I belong at this company anymore, that cannot sink my ship, right? Straight. And I love this company. It's great. But I also need to be smart about this. You know, the company is beheld into their bottom line and to their stockholders, not Frederick, right? And I need to have that same kind of mentality internally. I'm beholden to my planetary gravity and my family, not this company first and foremost. Although we collaborate together, me and the company, to get stuff done to mutual benefit, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to run into the house to save my family before I run into the burning house to save the corporation. So I need to make make those kind of internal decisions. And then, you know, how that manifested moving around the industry was instead of just being like here, instead of this week in photo presents Frederick Van Johnson, it's Frederick Van Johnson who runs one of the things that he does is this week in photo. Correct. That was the shift. Even with Twip, instead of being defined by Twip, I wanted to be defined as the guy who made Twip and built it as one of the projects that he's doing, not as this thing defines him completely. And if it goes away or folds, then he evaporates. Like if Twip goes away or folds or You know, something happens with smug mug or whatever, I'm still alive. I'm still around and I still have mass in order to to kind of keep that forward motion going. Yeah, I don't know if that answered it, but it was a that was a that was a really good question because that was a mindset shift way back in the day of okay, this cannot happen again. How do we not let this happen again? (laughs) And I wanted I wanted people to hear
1: that because it is a struggle. I know some people think about it and I know a lot of people are worried about it and there is a certain level of fear to putting yourself all the way out there. But trust me, I was yeah. in the same boat when I left Apple. And everyone always asked, why did you leave? It was nothing bad. Here's what happened. As we grew yeah, as a I'm company, at, in the beginning, in the Genius Bar, I, we had carte blanche, right? We actually belonged to Apple Care, not Apple Retail, but we had carte blanche. We could do anything, we could fix anything, whatever. In Hawaii, in my community, I have been known as the Apple go to guy to get something fixed since 84 when i got here in 85 so anyway since the beginning and i was it was a known quantity and when i ended up working at apple store people was like finally you're glad you're here because we know that you probably know this better than all those guys over there because it was just a reputation that i had built for myself mostly helping out people in the entertainment industry because i was in the entertainment industry i was known as the guy that could do the tech stuff as well when we started getting bigger right around iphone 5 they were like oh you know, you can no longer help people recover their QuickBooks files. Why? Because, well, people have not been able to get their stuff back and then they try to sue us. So their scared maneuver, instead of putting in a disclaimer and stuff, we'll attempt it, but we're not responsible. As the company got bigger, the lawyers got lawyery and they started saying, well, you can't fix that. You can't help people recover photos from a dead hard drive. You know, I no longer could do data recovery. and I had people looking at me eye to eye that knows exactly I know how to do it. And I had to tell them that, oh, I no longer can do that anymore. And so all it was for yeah. me is that they're overprotecting their bottom line, which is fully smart. You know, it's a, it's a business practice, it's brilliant, but it didn't align with my value of service. And my community knows my values because I, I repeat them all the time, but one of my values is service. And I was not willing to give up my level of being able to help my community over one of the best paychecks in the freaking world, can I explain that? Yeah, to you? <laughs> yeah. one of the best paycheck yeah. in the freaking well, you know, you work there too. <laughs> um, and yeah. I was just like, yeah, it, it doesn't align. It doesn't align. I can't sit here, and, and that was a paramedic in me. I can't look at somebody that I can fix and not fix them, right? And so right. a lot of people right. don't know. Yeah,
2: it's got to be hard. To
1: Geneva Convention if somebody hurt an enemy and I'm a medic and I walk past the enemy, I got to fix them, even though they're on the opposite side. So that was trained into me a long time ago. You know, it's part of my hypocritical oath, whatever. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. That was a joke, people. Some of you guys are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I just, just, man, I miss it. Every time I miss it, every time the stock bumps up again, I miss it. When the stock split seven times, I miss it. I would probably sit on yeah. a couple million dollars, but my values are a little bit more important to me because I can sleep. Oh, easily.
2: Easily. Oh, I've had those same internal battles. Like, you know, if I if I could go back, you know, if I had that, if I had the Avengers ability to go back in time and change things, would I go back You know, to that point where I made the decision to leave Apple and go to the startup and do all the things? I don't know. I mean, sure, you know, I, it's easy to say no. I wouldn't go back right now because you know everything's great. Um, but oh, I've wrestled with that because I still Apple's a great company. I still yeah. love Apple. Still love them and It's it's hard to articulate being involved with a company that's doing stuff that you've loved. You know, like the products that you've been using and doing cool stuff with, and now you are actually working at the chocolate factory. Now, you know, it was it was amazing. From that respect and getting to meet Steve and sit in meetings, albeit in the back, you know, <laughs> yeah. and sit in those meetings and see that history go down. It was just I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for anything. Cutting through the courtyard on your way to Cafe Max, cutting through the courtyard
1: and kind of want to look up at the fourth floor yeah. to see if he's in the window.
2: <laughs> I'm like, don't look, do look. My office was on the fourth floor. Oh, God, (laughs) no. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Yo, What? Yeah, I had to ride in the elevator with him several times, right? And and it was so funny. One of my Steve stories is, you know how you go in the front doors at uh, One Infinite Loop? And, and, you know, yeah, you badge and go past the desk and the elevators are to the right, right? And then there's a little coffee shop thing to the left of the elevators over there. I remember I'd be walking in, for some reason, occasionally, our, Steve's schedule and my schedule were the same, so we'd arrive at the same time, and there'd be this be a lot of people's were, and there'd be this crowd of people heading towards the elevators to go up to the fourth floor. Marketing was on one side of the fourth floor, and the executive suites were on the other side of the fourth floor. So we ride the same elevator up together. There'd be this crowd of people that would just slowly disperse. You know, as they saw Steve heading towards the elevator, because there's that whole rumor of there's a whole rumor of you know he'll fire you, whatever you know. And I was like,
1: but is it a rumor? I was like, like, I don't know anybody that got fired. No, I was terrified of that.
2: Right, terrified of the I. I didn't have that, man. I did not have that. I remember. I think I I veered off once or twice. I was like, yeah, because when I was new, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't want to lose my job. Maybe he'll he won't like the shoes I'm wearing and fire me. And I'm like, at one point, I was like. You know what? I'm damn good at my job. Our product is going to be amazing. We're on schedule for Macworld back when we were doing Macworld. It's like, we're on schedule for Macworld. If he's going to fire me, then this is not the company that I want to be working at. You know, if he's going to fire me for some nonsense. So I get in the elevator, it'd be just, you know, he and I or maybe one other person. I remember one time, this is like my golden moment, my cherished memory. This was around the time when he was sick, right? right? So he had his mock turtleneck on and he was very thin and and uh, i was like how are things going steve he's like yeah they're going great he's, and he said to me oh frederick how, how are things in marketing you're on iPhoto right i was like i thought about it and i was going to respond with a something like very good sir it's very you know we're, we're right on track and we're ready for you know whatever but instead i responded with i think you know how <laughs> i think you know how iPhoto is better than me. Peter just gave you an update the other day and we're on track. Peter was my boss, Peter loved, Like, we just gave you an update the other day. So you know how good it, you know, and I said it obviously respectfully, but I was saying, you know, obviously you know that this product that is a flagship of the next Mac world is going very well. And he's like, yeah, I do know. And it's very great. Congratulations. Looking forward to talking about it, right? It. And then the next time I got in, he's like, hey, Frederick. He's like, hey, Frederick, how's it going? I was like, This dude, who is one of the most famous people in the world, knows me by my first name. So I was glowing the entire day like he said my first name. (laughs) Oh, that
1: is so dope. You know, it's funny. I wish I could do this for everyone. This has been a dream of mine for a hot minute. I really wish I could do this for everyone. Remember when you first walk in to the theater? Okay, after you badge in, I always stopped at the store because I was always hoping there'd be something dope in there. (laughs) I was stopping the store. Yeah. <laughs> I get another jacket. Yeah. I still got my Gore Tex. Yo, I love that joint. But, you know, like after you walk in yeah. on the side, you had the little theater. That first day after orientations and doing all of the HR work, whatever, they tell us to just sit outside in the little hallway or right outside where the little grass area is. And then the uh, person from HR comes on and says, okay, guys, come on in. We're going to bring you in for these briefing. Okay, so we're figuring we're going to go in and get the, Make sure you do not do any sexual harassment. Make sure you, you know, you know, we're going to get the boring video because we're going to the theater to watch the yeah. video. Yo, family, I wish I could explain this to everyone listening. When you walk into the theater, there is a hundred people in there that came from everywhere on campus. They got a little message from the bad phone. Uh, we need some people down into the theater, and the people just stop what they're doing. You know, they're building Final Cut, or they're making iPhoto, or they're making you know. The quick take team let them out the closet. <laughs> anyway, they all go downstairs. You all they line the walls of the theater, and when you walk in, the natural leader in me—I'm the first person in the door. Like everybody else is in a straight line, I come mm-hmm. walking in like sergeant still, and they're just like, "Yeah." You get a standing ovation on day one from a hundred, two hundred people. Yeah, and I yeah. swear that that moment, fam, I will remember that until like I'm. My brain just pops out of my dome because it was crazy. I wish everybody <sighs> could experience it just once, and they meant it. It wasn't even a thing. They legit meant it like, Welcome to the family. You know, it was so good. It yeah. Was,
2: it was- yeah, it was fantastic. Do you remember your safety briefing from your first day of orientation? Yeah. Or first or second day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because I remember they were talking about leaks because they were having a problem with people leaking different things about Apple. So they went through this whole, like, 30-minute presentation. It was the head of security at Apple was in there, and she was going through this whole spiel about how important it was to not leak information, how you don't throw stuff away in the dumpster, and, you know, all the security things. And I remember at the end of it, they were talking about repercussions for leaking. (laughs) You know, of course, you're going to be fired if they find out it was you, because there's code names and this, and they can track it to you, whatever. But I remember her putting this formula on the screen and she's like, this is how Apple calculates the value of a product release and the press pop that we get at a product release based on how we were able to keep this secret until launch day. This is the dollar value that we feel that we will have lost had this leak, if this leak had happened, right? And this is the dollar value that you likely will be sued for <laughs> if, if you were found to be the one to leak this information. I was like, I was like, basically, that's the next 20 generations of Johnsons are going to be paying off this mistake. So let's let's not leak anything. <laughs> Yo, that's it's so
1: crazy. It's so crazy, man. This has been great. I want to again, remind everybody, make sure you find Frederick and just trust that he's just, he just the man. Nobody really had any crazy questions for us, so we're going to wrap this. Otherwise, Luis will be editing this sucker until the end of time. You know, you're welcome back (laughs) at any time. If you have anything you want to pop off on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I just want to say, you know, you got your flowers because uh, Larry popped in and Larry said you got him into photography. Like, I want to make sure you get your Tinkerbell juice when you get it, because Those things, people realize those mean a lot to us. You don't realize, you don't think, oh, everybody must tell them that. I take every single one of them and gild them. Like, I don't take them for a grain of salt. I'm pretty sure Frederick doesn't because he's just like me. (laughs) So he's a nicer, much nicer version of me. Like me, I say really mean stuff. Frederick will make it nice and he'll focus.
2: less hairy. I'm less hairy. (laughs) (laughs) So how can people find you if they don't know where to find you? Uh, this week in photo.com and on my website, which will be launching shortly at frederickvan.com, obviously. And coming up, so one of the things that I'm working on that my goals for 23, 24 is to lean into public speaking more and keynote speaking and being on the speaker circuit and doing all sorts of things. So already off to a good start. I will be speaking at Adorama World Photography Day in August. Uh, Photoshop World with Scott Kelby in September, Photoclave at which Scott Kelby is also doing the keynote. Uh, That's in October also. And also the Creativity Conference, which is coming up in, that's also in October. October is a big month. So yeah, I'm speaking at a bunch of events and more to come. So please come hang out at any one of those events and say hi. Because these are, for the most part, these are, except for Photoclave, they're virtual um photoclave is here in uh silicon valley so if you're local to silicon valley come hang out in person and shake hands i would love it
1: there you go see paul now you get a reason to get up and take your geritol or whatever and then go visit frederick <laughs> paul's in palo alto <laughs> <laughs> man this is so great man this is super dope um yeah we definitely got to link up soon and People, be on to look out. I've teased Frederick with this idea. Or we're going to do a little uh, AI get-together because both of us like kind of just yes. got out on AI. I'm working on something in the back end. You will hear from us soon, so just pay attention to this space. You know what I'm saying? Actually, now that I think about it, Katie would probably want me to do this as a little like, ECAM slash AI con. We should throw it together. All right, cool. Hey. Anyway. Family, we absolutely love you. Don't forget, make sure that you go to flow.ecam.com to get this podcast wherever your podcast getting is got. That is how you will get it connected to your favorite podcast getting source. We're everywhere. Or you can just go direct flow.ecam.com. This and every show is brought to you by Descript. Descript is legit the sauce, right? This is basically when I am done, I am able to hit a button. All the files get uploaded and then there's a little magician by the name of Paul that will go in and find all the things that I said dumb and fix them and make them nice. And then we're able to just get our editing down. So when it gets to Luis, it is much easier for him. And he can basically edit this show at one hand. So listen, if you're a creator, you need to be checking out Dscript. That is Dscript.com. Other than that, we'll see you all again next week. This live taping is done every Tuesday at noon a East Coast time which is like, Oh, dark 30 to me. (laughs) And then we end up releasing it as a full episode on any of your podcasts, getting places right after that. So by all means, if you know somebody that needs to see the show live, they got questions, they're thinking about starting a video podcast or any podcast in general, make sure you bring them over to check out the flow. And we appreciate you guys. Flow Riders out.
0: Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet yeah, we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, and the evening of stargazing? (laughs) I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this!